The main thing I want us to dwell on this morning are five glorious words nestled in the middle of verse 18 in your NIV. Five glorious words that beautifully express the purpose and result of the suffering of Jesus Christ on our behalf. These words are perfect for us to dwell upon on a communion Sunday. And they are perfect for us to dwell upon on the first Sunday of the new year. The main thing I want us to dwell on this morning are the words, to bring you to God. (laughs) To bring you to God. Peter says that that is why Jesus suffered and died, to bring you to God. I want us to sit with those words. Just let them sink in. That's the main thing I want us to dwell upon this morning, but it is not the main point of the bigger passage. The main point of this whole passage is to encourage us as foreigners and exiles to keep on doing good, even in the face of unjust oppression and persecution. Peter's been banging this drum all along. We've heard it again and again. He said in our memory verses, live such good lives... He said, that they might see your good deeds. That's chapter 2, verse 12. A few verses later, in chapter 2, verse 15, he said, It is God's will that by doing good, the Greek there is agathopoiuntas, doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Then a few verses later, in verse 20, he says, If you should suffer for doing good, agathopoiuntas, and you endure it, This is commendable before God. And then in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, do what is right. Guess what word that is in Greek? Agathopoiuntas. Do what is right and do not give way to fear. And then chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, what we looked at last time we were in 1 Peter, he says, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Agathu. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. The big point of this passage in front of us today, including all the tricky parts that we're going to look at more closely next week, is that Peter wants us to keep on doing good even when it hurts. Even when people hurt us for doing good. I wish that were not a thing. But it definitely is a thing. Peter wants us to know it and to be ready for it. Are you ready for persecution? And are you ready that in the face of persecution, you're going to keep on doing good, even when evil comes at you, and bless them back? And bless them back? Look at verse 17 with me and catch Peter's logic. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. What do you think the Greek is there for, for doing good? Agathopoiuntas. I can't even say it. Agathopoiuntas. Same word. Doing good. Peter says sometimes it's God's will for us to suffer. 
Our suffering is never outside of his control. I'm thankful for that, though I do wish that it was his will that I never suffer. Someday that will be true. But I'm glad that if I have to suffer these days, it's always within his sovereign control. But Peter says that it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. On one level, that's obvious, right? I mean, if you suffer for doing evil, then you kind of ask for it, right? But on another level, it's not so obvious, is it? I mean, if you're doing good, how could it be good to suffer for it? Makes you wonder, am I doing this right? Am I doing all the right things? Because this is what's happening to me. It makes you wonder if it's really worth it. I keep doing good. I keep, I keep getting this. Is it worth it? I mean, at least if you suffer for doing bad, you at least get to enjoy doing bad. But Peter says it's better to suffer for doing good. In fact, he just said that if you do, you are blessed. And now he's going to give the greatest example of this principle that ever was. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18. For. See that word for? That's important. It is better to suffer for doing good for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Peter says, that's your example. There's your proof. Jesus suffered for doing good, and look where that got him. Now, we'll look more at the details next week, but verse 22, at the end of the paragraph, says that not only did Jesus suffer and die, but he rose again. And he's gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. There's your proof that it is better to suffer for doing good. You want the glory? Go through the suffering. There's your example to follow. It is worth it. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Of course, it hurts. The nails hurt. The cross hurt. But it was worth it. And he was doing the right thing. And the end result was victory. The end result was vindication. The end result was glory. And that's the main point of this whole passage. We will hit it harder next week. I think this truth should sober us as we enter into 2022. We should ready ourselves for suffering and commit ourselves to doing good no matter what. In the name of Christ and following the example of Christ, for the glory of Christ. That's what we mean when we sing, all glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. Even if I get nailed for it, all glory be to Him. We'll see that even more next week. But right now, I want us to just slow down and just focus in even more on the words of verse 18. Because the result of Jesus' suffering was not just His glory, it was our good. 
It wasn't just his vindication, it was our salvation. Look again at verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Let's just think about that for a little bit. Just, just sit in that. This morning I got up, did my morning walk, and I filled the crock pot with pork chops and sauerkraut some apples and some brown sugar, and I turned it on to, to high. Did it smell by the time you left? Did it, did, could you smell the, it cooking away? Let's just put this verse in the crock pot of our hearts and let it bubble. Peter's been thinking about the suffering of Christ for a long time. Ever since the rooster crowed, I think. Peter's been thinking about the suffering of of Christ. What did it mean? What did it do? I'm sure he was so ashamed of his behavior that night. We thought about what Jesus went through all alone. What was going on on that cross? Peter had been thinking about it for some time and now he's ready to tell us. His thinking here proceeds in three steps. Number one, Christ died for sins. Number one, once for all. Once for all. If you're taking notes this morning, that's point number one. Christ died for sins once for all. And, and th- but he means by that once for all, once for all time. Meaning that Jesus Christ's death was unique. It was distinctive. It was unrepeatable. It didn't need to be repeated. It only had to happen once, and it happened only once. Like it says in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 28, Christ was sacrificed once. That's all it took. So that when we have the Lord's Supper here, we're not sacrificing Christ. We're remembering what He did. Yes, we are called to suffer, for doing good as well. He's our example. But his suffering was also unique. It was special. It was unlike any other suffering that ever was or ever will be. That's why we keep singing about it on Sunday mornings. You ever think Christians are a broken record? Blood, cross, over and over again. Precious flow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We don't get over it. That's why we keep memorializing it with the table, with the bread and the cup. We we take it in. Because it was unique. It was once for all. Everything that needed to happen at that cross happened at the cross. Number two, Christ died for sins. Number two, the righteous for the unrighteous. The righteous for the unrighteous. He did not deserve it. Talk about suffering for doing good. He was perfect. He was perfectly righteous. You remember how Peter quoted Isaiah in the last chapter? He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. But the righteous one took the place of the unrighteous on the cross. Jesus substituted himself for us. May we never get used to that. Those of you who are outside can't see this, but I'm going with one hand 
and I'm crossing over my body and I'm going with my other hand to the other side. One for the other. The righteous for the unrighteous. Sometimes we call that the great exchange. The great exchange. Can you imagine? The righteous for the unrighteous. What kind of deal is that? That's a raw deal for Jesus. And it's grace for us. Put your name in verse 18. Here's where you put it, right after the word unrighteous, okay? Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous, Christ, for the unrighteous, Matt Mitchell. Now put your name in there. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. what was going on now to put your name in that verse you've got to admit you are unrighteous you have to admit that you do deserve the suffering you do deserve the death you deserve the cross but when you do you realize that Jesus has already suffered for you We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the righteous, the iniquity of us all, the unrighteous. And here's the result. Number three, Christ died for sins to bring you to God. To bring you to God. bring you to God. You were far from God. You were his enemy. You were separated from God and you couldn't do anything to bring yourself to God. I will never forget this till the day I died. I was at Moody Bible Institute and this guy wandered onto campus. This happened fairly regularly. Somebody would wander onto campus and we're a bunch of Christian Bible students so we start talking with whoever shows up. This guy's name was Chuck which is the name of my dad. I remember that. And I was like trying to explain the gospel to him. And I said, well, there's you over here. And then sin has caused a separation between you and God. You are far from God. And he says, that's it. That's me. And he grabs my hands. And he says, I want this. And he pulls his hands, my hands together. He says, how do I get like this? To bring you to God. That's what Jesus did. He died for sinners once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Into his presence. Into his love. Into relationship with him. To be his child. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how the Lord holds the the lambs close to his heart. That's what it means when he says to bring you to God. He doesn't mean to bring you to God for judgment or an audience, but to relationship. That's what I want you to dwell on on this first Sunday of 2022. Just think about being brought to God. 
And as we do that, let me suggest three points of application. Number one, be brought to God. Be brought to God. If you have not already, now is the time to come to God. Jesus Christ has died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to Him. Have you come to Him? Has the purpose of Christ's death been applied to your own life? If not, repent and put your trust in Jesus. Be brought to God. Put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross on your, in your behalf. But put yourself in that phrase, maybe for the first time, the righteous Jesus for the unrighteous. You. You can express it in a prayer. Pray, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. I trust and receive you. Bring me to God. Bring me to the Father. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. Bring me to the Father. What a great way that would be to start 2022. And for all who have been brought to God, the second application I want to suggest is simply this. Give thanks that you were brought to God. Give thanks that you were brought to God. Thank God that you were brought to God. That's what we're going to do right here at this table in just one minute. The Bible calls it the cup of thanksgiving. You've heard it called the Eucharist? That's Greek. Eucharisteo. It means to give thanks. The cup of thanksgiving. We should thank God every single day for what Christ did for us. Thank you, Lord, for suffering. Thank you, Lord, for suffering and unrepeatable death. Thank you, Lord, for suffering in my place. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me to God. And number three and last, and lasting forever, enjoy being brought to God. Enjoy the benefits of it. Enjoy having been brought to God. Just think about what it means. It means peace with God. Give peace with God. It means eternal life with God. It means heaven with God. It means hope. All of what Peter said in chapter 1 about that living hope, this is that. To bring you to God. So we have everything to look forward to. The Bible says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I want you to think, okay, I want you to think about how bad 2022 might be for just a second. Two years ago, we were heading into 2020, and everybody was joking about 2020 vision, right? All those innocent days. And it was a lot easier back then to say, this is going to be my year, and expect, expect great things to come rolling our way. Hashtag blessed. And some of you are awesome optimists, and you're doing that for 2022 already. That's cool. I think that, I, I hope that it's everything you're feeling right now, you blessed optimists. I used to be one. 
But for many of us, we're looking at 2022, and we know at least we're going to be another year older. And we're maybe feeling some dread. We can be anxious. We're worried about what's the next variant of COVID. We're worried about cancer. We're worried about politics. Did you know it's another election year? Didn't we just have one of those? Seems like every year's one now. We're worried about finances and inflation and supply chains and freedoms and a whole host of other things, including potential persecution of Christians. Some of you know what you're facing in 2022, and some of you don't. But go ahead right now and imagine the worst. Put it up on your screen. Open that window. Now, I want you to open up another window right next to it and compare it. I have been brought to God. I've been brought to God. I don't care what this one says. It's nothing compared to this one. I have been brought to God, not for judgment, but for atonement. Not for punishment, but for blessing. Not for condemnation, but for adoption, for fellowship, for love. You've been brought to God. That doesn't mean that 2022 won't also be bad. But it can't touch the goodness of I have been brought to God. The Bible says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, 2022, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because we've been brought 